Welcome to the Theory of DFS podcast. I'm Jordan Cooper, the co-author of the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. It's a 15-hour audio DFS masterclass you can find at theoryofdfs.com. Join with me as, as sometimes. Neil Orfield from Stochastic, the High Stakes podcast, the content, the NBA, NFL, MLB, tons of stuff you see there. The, the guy that also went on vacation. I went on vacation. You went yeah. on vacation. So how long How long was your vacation of not playing DFS? Uh, of not playing DFS, probably four or five days. So I was in Puerto Rico. I was not able to play DFS uh, in Puerto Rico, which I didn't know going in. I probably wouldn't have played at all anyway. But uh, yeah, so I missed four or five days. The only real bummer was I missed the first day of XFL. So, you know, as somebody who was very excited about XFL, I was coming back from Puerto Rico on the day that XFL launched. So I, I missed that first huge 100,000 the first contest. I was pretty bummed about that. Uh, luckily for me, I did not come back from my vacation with the black eye, just looking beat up. I did come back and said with just a horrible, horrible, my, the worst suntan of my uh, sunburn of my life. We, we, my, I, growing up, I didn't even use suntan lotion, but this time I decided I'm going to put on this suntan spray, and or whatever you call it, sun blocking spray, and uh, just you know be out in the sun. And of course, I just got sober. Like it was, it was awful. But uh, well, I mean, at least I didn't get a black eye. Sunbathing is not known in Minnesota, so. I mean, yeah, I'm not not a great sunbather, I guess. Not a lot of experience there. I did go to Mexico. I went to Mazatlan, Mexico. My grandparents had a house there growing up. So I went there like every year. So that was where most of my sunbathing experience uh, comes from. But um, I usually just uh, grew up. I'd get burnt. I'd get out of the sun. And then I would, it would turn into a tan over time. Uh, this time I thought because I had the sun blocker on, I'd be okay to be in the sun longer. But by the time we left the beach, I was like, I need to fucking get out of here. It was awful. Well, you see that my 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 eyes gotten better. You look much better, yeah. Much better, right? That. That's I mean, that's yeah. what happens when you fall on your face. It'll it'll take some time, right? I got I got a I had to put a brace on my my thumb. I got an X ray. Nothing's broken or anything like that. But I was getting okay. some like pain here when I fell or anything like that. So it was harder with the brace on to scroll on my thing. I had to use my left hand for for the phone and everything like that. But I mean, you could you could have played the XFL contest in Puerto Rico, just you couldn't enter the contests. If I had entered it before I left, yeah. So I, I can't believe you missed out. The, the, the one thing I wanted to talk to you about was XFL because... Well, I played last week. So I played the Sunday-only contest of week one, and then week two was last week, and of course I played a lot on that. So I'm ready to talk XFL. I love XFL DFS. You, did seemed... you see my, bra my brag tweet about XFL DFS? No, what's your brag tweet? Oh, just uh, be before the first... On that first day, I tweeted out that I thought I was the winningest XFL DFS player of all time because uh, there were only in 2020. So there obviously there was no DFS in the 90s version. And then in 2020, there were only five weeks and there was only like two or three weeks where they had 100,000 the first contest. And of course, I took down one of the like, I don't know, four or five times they had 100,000 the first. But then on top of that, I had like a second or a third. So I thought 120,000 or so up uh, in 2020. I was probably the winningest of all time. Uh, and then Frankie Bourne came in and, of course, had won like 150,000 something in that time. So I was I was wrong. But uh, but XFL, from from what I see, like I'm not playing XFL DFS, but from what I could tell, uh, no one knows anything. Like it's it seems like like I, I I've seen I've seen screenshots of like here's here's the eight highest owned players yeah. and they all suck right like and then so you not, have not and then you also have coach I saw a coach say that it's like yeah we played these guys and maybe they're the wrong guys maybe maybe we don't play yeah. these guys next week I forget what the coach's name is but yeah they got crushed and he was like yeah we're just gonna switch things up so now yeah week week three really we're not gonna know anything particularly with that team just like. Are they going to go with all new people, all new personnel for the team? I don't know. Uh, I would say it's not as bad as like USFL in terms of nobody knows anything. Uh, week one, actually, it was pretty, I think the team that won was pretty chalky week one from what I saw. I, I didn't play in it again, but uh, week one, it seemed like the projections were relatively good uh, for a sport that had, or a, you know, a contest that nobody had done before, a league that nobody had seen before. Projections were relatively good uh, week one. Um, it's still, you know, how do you, you know figure, how do you even figure that out? I mean, like, no like how do you, I mean, how do you even assign target shares and rushing shares and 
Like you don't from know what, I, what team is good at all. You don't know, I mean, I know these teams have never played ever. So from what I've gathered from listening to like Gajeski, uh, I think I read something from Cody Maine. You know, li- listening to those guys. Justin like Freeman, uh, I think, lives in a Justin in a Freeman. Team's yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, th- those all the XFL thought leaders. Uh, I think it's a combination of like draft capital is a big part of it. Of like, okay, this guy was drafted first overall. He's probably going to be used. The funny thing is, like listening to Gajeski was like, okay, so this team drafted a wide receiver in the first round. And then they cut him. <laughs> it's like so, like draft capital even is like not all that value, all that valuable. Uh, the teams do put out like uh, depth charts and stuff, so that is kind of helpful. Um, obviously, uh, they I don't know just just gathering info from like beat reporters. They do have like beat reporters who have like two thousand followers telling you like, okay, this t- this guy didn't practice yesterday, or like this guy has passed this guy in the depth chart, and sometimes it's accurate and sometimes it's not. Uh, it, it's a shit show, but. Um, I'd say it's yeah, it's hit or miss. Like there's, we do know some things. I think already. Have but, there been uh, have there been times on slates where a guy's like seventy percent owned and just doesn't play? Uh, was there like high owned guys where it's like you thought he was the number one wide receiver yeah. and they end up running like six routes or something? So I didn't actually look into the actual routes run data and stuff yet. But last week it was like Geronimo Allison, Martavis Bryant, some guys you may know from the NFL were some of the higher owned guys and they did absolutely nothing. Like literally, I think. Maybe Martavis Bryant had zero catches or one catch in the game. What was it? Was that I, I an error remember. that I saw that he had negative touchdown? Negative a touchdown? I, he had I a didn't negative that, touchdown. So I, Someone kept on posting that he actually had negative six points for a negative receiving touchdown. I thought maybe that was some XFL scoring, like right? Because it's XFL, they have weird, you know, rules and stuff like that. It's like, oh, did no, he no, like no, yeah, did he score a touchdown a for the wrong yeah. team and you don't get points? No, for that, that was. That was definitely a scoring error. That's that's not a real thing in the exit. They do have very weird scoring, which I kind of learned as I went. Like the the first game I watched was a team was down like more than more than two touchdowns or like down two full touchdowns, and that's how I learned that they uh, after you score a touchdown in the fourth quarter, you have the option of uh, either doing an onside kick or taking it from like your own. 25 yard line and it's you're right away it's a fourth and 15 situation for your team so if you can convert on fourth and 15 you just get to keep the ball uh instead of doing an onside kick so but that's only in the fourth quarter you can't do that okay so right so that obviously allows teams because most of the time you're not recovering an onside kick right and i guess it gives it a little bit more a little bit more value of like oh you could you're if you're down by three touchdowns you're not it's not like a lost cause with three minutes left in the game yeah, exactly. So it gives teams a little bit more incentive and more opportunity to come back when you are down big late. So are there I, are there, really are there any rules in XFL that make the fantasy scoring, like the game flow for like stacking purposes, different? Um, not really off the top of my head. Maybe maybe there are, but I can't think of any real rules that affect stacking. Like you still want to generally stack your quarterback with a receiver and and for me it's like in xfl it's just one receiver i'm not trying to double stack because there's so little scoring that it's like it's unlikely that a team is going to be able to support two really high scores from multiple oh, so, so these games have low totals yeah the totals are like below 40 for like every every game yeah that's not it's good not, for the extreme football league i mean they you would think that for these extremely these type, low scoring blunder right extremely low scoring there you go title extremely low scoring but obviously, if if you're doing extremely low scoring, that does affect lineup construction. I mean, you mentioned the fact that, like, you're less likely, you're less inclined. Like, how many games are there? What four games on a slate? Four games a week. Yep. There's only right. You're less teams. inclined to like, oh, I'm going to go three plus two with one yeah, game yeah. because I don't even the, require a run back. Yeah. Right. I don't even know if you have to require, dude. I mean, there could be low enough scoring that you may not even have to stack at all. I mean, like, I know. That, like the yeah. effect of the correlation doesn't matter as much. And like the quarterback might be throwing to a player who is like literally like 0.1% owned. That has happened a few times. Like it's just, to, to, so to that extent, yes, that we, we know so little that it's like week to week, you can see players go off who are just barely owned at all because, you know, people, it, it's. So why aren't we I mean, playing those players? Uh, we are, we were trying to, I'm, I, but like this week I played a lot of, uh, there's a guy, Travis Johnson. So like, uh, I can't remember what team he's, I think San Antonio Brahmas, but I might be wrong about that. Uh, I played a lot of or Orlando, one of these teams. I, I tried taking advantage of some of those guys, and of course, they were just not the one. Like the guys that I focused on, that I was like, okay, last week, you know, the camera was on him a lot. He got a, a few 
balls thrown his way. Uh, it seems like he might be in line for more opportunity with somebody being out. And then it was just like, no, this other backup tight end instead is the guy who scored a touchdown. So, you know, you can't really play all of those guys. There's still, un- or maybe you can, but you can't have too many lineups with all of those guys. So, um, yeah, you still have to be right in which of those guys you tried to focus on. Um, but yeah, I, I do think that the field screws up big time. And th- this was a, this was the case in 2022. It was like uh, we'd have players who missed the first game. Like I think my my big week uh, when I took it down was week two. Uh, and actually, I don't think I benefited from this particular situation. But there was a situation where a player who was out week one, uh, there was like a wide receiver who missed week one, and just nobody played him in week two. And he was one of the guys who was like high on the depth chart and like you know had good draft cap- draft capital and just nobody played him because he missed week one and it was like i don't know if he's gonna play and like i was searching the guy's name on twitter and somebody said he's out on the field looks like he's gonna play so i jammed him in and then of course he did really well uh De- deandre tompkins i believe was the, the guy who did this in 2020 xfl but i think we can find that like literally every week in the xfl there are situations like that where there's just some player who for some reason nobody's playing them and i think there's probably some opportunity do these teams just have very large rotations is it the type of thing yeah. where they have six wide receivers they have four running backs and at any moment like whoever has the hot hand just they they go with and you don't I know from so, game to game what that's going to be yeah so so that's part of it and part of it is just that like the league's uh, intention isn't always just about winning. Like the coaches, I think, want to showcase the players. Something like they want to give their players opportunities because these players are all there trying to get to the NFL. So like they're say, you know, they'll say, you know, we're going to use this quarterback for the first half and then this other quarterback for the second half. Like they do weird things like that, and it's just it might not even be because they think, okay, this player gives us the best competitive advantage. It's just I want to give my players an opportunity to show what they have to potentially make the NFL. So I think there's there's a lot of weird things going on in the XFL. And that's, I mean, still there, I think their primary objective most of the time is to win. So like there is some uh, predictability with it, but uh, you know, it's definitely more unpredictable than like the NFL where you know exactly what the team is going to do for some teams. Like, you know, who are going to be the guys who are going to get, who are going to run a lot of routes, see a lot of targets, that kind of stuff. You know, you can't really predict that week to week in XFL. Well, you also know that the teams are actually going to try to win. Right. Yes. Right. That, I mean, that like that. I mean, that's that. I mean, look at look at NBA DFS. I mean, sometimes it's, that's 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 the biggest thing you have to decide on the slate and whether or not the Thunder want to win today or not. Right. I mean, like I should congratulate you, Blender, on your retirement from NBA DFS. Have you played at all since our last show? No. Are you? Do you think you're retired or just taking the year off for NBA DFS? Yeah, I yeah. think I'm retired. I said, why? Why am I going to bother with this? I'm I'm waiting for MLB to come back. Right, I'll I'll play. I'm right. I'm playing soccer and MMA, so it's not like I'm playing not playing anything, yeah, yeah. Right? right? But that's that's on a weekly basis, right? So it's like I'm pretty much playing like two slates a week, but that's yeah. from January, February, March, and then April, April through September, it's baseball every day. So I mean, there are plenty of people out there that just play is like they're just play yeah. NFL, right? And right. then maybe they play the showdowns, all the showdown, and they. And once NFL season is over, DFS season is over for them. And some yeah, that, some people just people like play that. NBA. Some people, I mean, you don't have to play everything. I mean, I, I talked to Eric uh, last time, and, you know, he's playing, you know, college basketball. And yeah. I don't follow I, college I basketball. Episode, by the way. I, I did catch all the slander, calling me boring, uh, talking about how you don't want to talk to me week to week. Uh, but, I, but I enjoyed the episode nonetheless. Good to see Eric <laughs> back on the show. I wanted to see if people liked you or Eric better. It's it's a good, I mean people obviously like Eric better he's he's way more entertaining than I am like you can expect people to like Eric better but uh, Eric's not willing to do the show every week so no you get me at least I at least I've met Eric in real life now yeah that uh, was that a fun like little trip how, who else was there I I saw a little bit about it on Twitter it looked like it was a good time for the road yeah I, who was there a lot of the media people were there a lot the last time like three years ago it was a lot of the, the office staff and developers and stuff but we had with Dean was there. Uh, Squirrel Patrol was there. Cheese was there. Uh, Chief Justice Will Priester. Uh, right. Andy Means. Uh, nice. Britt. Britt was there. Okay. Alan Lem. Keith Eister. Eyes okay. 819, whatever. Uh, then uh, PSU, uh, PSU fans. Sean Newsom. Yeah. Uh, Fear My Turtle. Alex Harden. Uh, I really put you on the spot here, didn't I? Like, you don't want to leave anybody out. You're right. Like, I almost don't want to leave everybody. anyone out. I was like, who did I talk yeah. to? Who did I see? Right, Stevie was there. Noto was there. Uh, nice. Dan Bach was there. I mean, so, wow. So full crew. Where, where was this? This is in Nashville. And this was just uh, what was the purpose? It was just like it was a Super Bowl, like Super Bowl par- party. So oh, basically, that a whole weekend. So you know, I I came in on Saturday Saturday afternoon. 
they had like a happy hour, you know, the Hattie B's chicken or whatever at the, their new office, hung out there. Uh, and then a lot of people went to Broadway and to all the bars and whatever. And then me and me and Squirrel Patrol uh, were, were in the, the hotel lobby watching the UFC pay-per-view uh, nice. on, on our phones. Uh, of course. And then, and then the next day we had, there was a pickleball tournament, which I fell. Yep. That, that, you get that. And then a Super Bowl party that they rented out, like one of the rooms in like Nashville Underground Bar or whatever. And they had catering in an open bar and the big screen for all the, you know. The Super Bowl festivities. Nice. Right, so, Sounds fun. So there. I, uh, I'm hoping hoping that we get another one of those for the stochastic team at some point. I missed last year. I literally, I had my conversation with Tom about going full-time the week before the team met in Chicago. And at the end of the call, he was like, well, since you're going to be joining the team full-time, you can go to, like, where people are getting together in Chicago if you want to go. And then I was just like, okay, if I get the offer before the weekend, maybe I'll consider going. But then the offer didn't come within that week. So I, I didn't end up going to Chicago with the team and, uh, Feel like I missed out. So open. Do they do a yearly again. thing? No, I think it was a uh, you know the first maybe the first time they've done the like full team get together. So mm-hmm. hopefully we can make it more regular. Right. Well, I mean the past two years for for, for Roto Grinders because of COVID they didn't do anything. So like I went to the Super Bowl party like right before COVID. Okay. That was 2020, and they didn't do another one until until this. So is it typically a yearly thing for Rotograms? Yeah, yeah, typically they do for the Super Bowl. And in the past, way in the past before I was there, they it was in Las Vegas or whatever. So I mean, it's just you know everyone fly. I mean everyone that wants to flies in or whatever. And of course you know they pay they pay for some of the stuff, right? And it's been a change of ownership the past over the past year, right? They've changed ownership at. Roto-Grinders, so... No, no, I mean, no, it was three years ago. Better Collective bought, bought them... That was three years three, ago? Three, three, three and a half years ago, yeah. My God. <laughs> right, like Cam and Cal technically are not part of the company at all anymore. And right? it's been three and a half years. I, I really thought that was, like, within the past year or two no, at most. No, Cal, Cal was there. Cal was hanging out. Cal Spears was hanging out. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, but cool. technically he owns no part of the... I mean, Dan is in charge, right? Yeah. Dan's the CEO of Roto-Grinders, but, I mean, there's also... that Better Collective... Tennessee or USA, whatever. It's a whole bunch of conglomerates of sites and US bets and scores and odds and all these other properties and everything like that. So, I mean, there were, there were people from, from that type of stuff there as well. But I mean, that's, that's a lot of it is sports betting now. Yeah. A lot of it is sports betting. Same with us. It's the way the industry is going more and more sports betting. Right. And you saw it's a monkey knife fight. No longer. I did see that. I, I, I never played a monkey knife fight, so I don't really care all that much. Uh, were they the first of their kind, like the these like prop yeah. betting kinds of contests? Like, kind I mean, of the first the first one that got any traction, I guess. But I yeah. mean, that pe- people were uh, on online were like, "Oh, monkey knife fight!" Oh, out of business type of thing. It's like, oh, what's going to happen to underdog and prize picks and everything? It's like, no, monkey knife fight was bought by Bally's. Okay, right. they were bought two years ago for $90 million. And Bally's uh, foray into sports betting has been absolutely atrocious. Really? They've just wasted a ton of money, gotten almost no market share. And they're, they're at this, Bally's, the corporation, is at the state of like, they need to cut their losses in as many places as possible. Yeah. And this was one. And this was one of them. This was, Monkey Knife Fight was, they're basically going to take a $90 million write-off just, oh my God. Yeah, they were. Yeah. I thought they were filing bankruptcy. They they also like Bally Sports North is the new uh, TV station that uh, covers the Timberwolves. So that's kind of a well. That they're two different that. Bally's. Remember, there's actually two different Bally's. I did not know that. Right, there's the Bally's Corporation and then Bally Sport. Bally okay. Sports. Okay. So yeah, it's it's confusing, but whatever. But like Prize Picks was bought by Caesars. So like if right. Caesars is doing well, then Prize Picks will be fine, right? right? Underdog is its own entity. Underdog is not owned by anyone, other yeah. than obviously the people that run Underdog. Uh, so, I mean, the, all these things. But ten years from now, there won't be like all these things. It'll be like there'll be Fanduel, DraftKings, and like two other, th- and everything will be bought out by one another. Think so? It'll be just like the airlines, right? You go, it's like you take a look twenty years ago. It's like, oh, there's there's twelve domestic airlines, and now there's like three or four, and that's that's about it. Yeah, I suppose they have to consolidate. So I'm I'm expecting, like, none of these, like, if if 
if you had money on Monkey Knife Fight, it like just would they sent you an email or whatever. I mean, I didn't because I couldn't. Pl- I technically, technically, they they didn't even operate in Kentucky. Uh, hmm. They'll just withdraw your money and you're fine. And it's it's owned by a, it's owned by a corporation. Your your money's fine, just like Prize Picks. It's like it's 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 owned by Caesars. Like yeah. the, the, the Caesars ain't ain't. It's not a back of the van operation. Worst right. case scenario, the Prize Picks platform goes down and they transfer your money to your to your Caesars sportsbook account or you know something like that and yeah, you have yeah. to withdraw it from there or play it there or something like that i have no problem i'm i'm a, I'm a caesar's rewards member for playing poker they'll take care of me when it comes to prize picks just in case uh but like like the if if anything to be cons- i think the smaller sites like is no house advantage is that owned by anyone or is that an independent operation uh it's an independent operation as far as i know right because a lot of them, I can understand their business model is get some traction, get some users, and then sell themselves to a bigger entity. But yeah. the only thing that I could say about like Monkey Knife Fight getting shuttered is that maybe it 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 dries out some of the valuation of the independently operated sites from oh well, Bally's took a bath, ninety million dollar bath on this, so their com- right. other companies may not be willing. To like, okay, maybe it may, maybe it's not a good idea to overspend the for the user base, yeah. right, right? Right. It doesn't mean they can't operate. It's just that their their exit strategy may be le- more limited yep. than what they originally believed, right? So yep. like un- like uh, like underdog is for I I know they're gonna you know what un- is gonna happen with underdog? They're gonna get bought out by Fanduel again, and then had nothing to do it again. Like they're just gonna go through the cycle of building something for Fanduel to buy and not do anything with, and then rebuild the exact same thing over again. Yeah, it seems like a profitable strategy. Just keep rebuilding, selling, rebuilding, selling. You got no competition because Fanduel doesn't do shit with it. Yeah, great business model. Also, uh, as far as industry news on this, I found it hilarious. It's it's the the sports betting stuff is such a tell. Like you know, and I I scroll through Twitter and I'm just I, I I just shake my head. It's just like it's it's one of those things, Neil. That why don't say anything because then all you do. Well, what's the quote of like like the, the people think you're an idiot, but and if but if you, when you open your mouth, you just remove all doubt, right. type of thing. Yeah. Like that they released what yesterday or the day before the FanDuel Ohio numbers because it was the first month. Let's do this right February or whatever was the first month. Or January, whatever, whatever it was. It's the first month of of regulated uh, sportsbook gambling in Ohio. So obviously, because it's regulated, everything that they, they report for tax reasons, it showed like the handle, the handle for all the books and the revenue, the revenue, basically the revenue and the the whole, basically the hold, how mm-hmm. much money they made, yeah. right? So they took in two hundred million dollars and they made you know forty million. Right, that's a twenty percent hold. Right, that's how you would calculate that. And uh, so many, so many people, uh, these sports betting, like journalists, quote unquote, pundits, betting analysts, everything, are going. Wow, look at look at Ohio, two hundred mil. Look, look, it they they out. Out out handled New Jersey, right? They out handled New Jersey in their first month, right? Twenty percent hold. It's like wow, twenty, which is monstrous. And it's like a lot of a lot of parlays, a lot of stuff like that. And I'm just sitting there going, do these people understand how? Do they do they understand how these this stuff gets calculated? Like it's the first month in Ohio. You know how many deposit bonuses there are? Yeah, that's a good. You point. know how many first bet, free bet, uh, you know, risk free, whatever. Especially Fanduel, yeah. they give that out like it's candy, especially in the beginning. So, is it really? Did Fanduel have a two hundred million dollar handle? They were giving out thousand up to a thousand dollar risk free bets. Yeah. So if you go if you go into Fanduel and you deposit five dollars or whatever, I don't even know what it would be. You deposit whatever money you want. And you get up to a thousand dollar free bet. They're calling that a handle. That's not real money, right? right? And then if you lose that free bet, 
What's the hold on that? There's no, there's no such thing as a hold. There's zero nothing hold. There, there was no money to hold the fr in the first place. Right. So like the revenue, as far as the pro, like oh, forty million dollars in revenue. That that is the revenue. That, that, that it is how much they made, right? But what was what, what was is the, is the, even that number is massage? Is that really how much they made? Because let's say you you get a free bet and you lose it, like. Do they count that on the accountant on the on the in the books as money made? They could, yeah. right? Depending on the, how they they do their accounting, they could. So like yeah. these numbers are just like funny money numbers, right? And there are people really? actually commenting on this shit. There are people yeah. go, oh, can you believe twenty percent? All people must be made like, dude, dude. You know, all of this is fake money. Like so much of this is fake money. Yeah, what what is what is what do we have to do? Like FanDuel is spending so much. Oh, they have such a big handle market share. They're also the ones that are giving out the most amount of. I right. mean, dude, FanDuel free, free is stuff. like FanDuel is trying is 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 out is out promoting DraftKings and DraftKings were known in the DFS space 2013 2014 as shameful. Like we're just going to yeah. give away millions of dollars yeah. and try to just outspend everyone by um, so much more yeah. that it seems like FanDuel is taking on their approach more than um, DraftKings is still, you know, like the second biggest advertiser. The see, I don't see any of this here in Minnesota. I, I just don't see FanDuel advertisements because we don't have sports betting yet. Right. Well, that's what that, well, that's the, that's the reason I see. I see it a little bit more here because I'm just over the river from Indiana. So, I mean, I'm going to, so the Louis, the Louisville area, like if you live in the Indiana side, like you could do all, you could do all that. You'd there. It, you it's, can't it's, do it in Louisville, but in India, Indiana, right. Cause Louisville's in Kentucky. Up. Right. So okay. it's, but, but it's Louisville, the metropolitan area is on the Ohio river in between Indi Indiana and Kentucky. So mm -hmm. like if I could go, cause when I go play poker, I play in Indiana. I play, I have to go over the bridge and then down, you know, down nine miles down a weird road. And then get to Caesars, Indiana. Uh, but once you get into Indiana, like crossing the bridge into Indiana, there, there, there's a bunch of billboards and everything. Like it's like half of them are sports books, half of them are like it's just immediately. But once you go into Kentucky, there's nothing. There's absolutely nothing in Louisville proper. But once you get into Indiana, it's like sign up for BetMGM, sign up for Caesars, sign up for points bet, sign up for. Whoever the hell it's there. And then obviously since we have Caesars Indiana here on your way to their casino, it's like sign up for your account, sign up for yeah. the Caesars casino, account, like all over the place type of thing. So like, I do see some of it, but as far as like the commercials on TV, number one, I don't, I don't watch linear TV yeah, often. Right. But I mean, a lot of the commercials, like, it doesn't permeate the, the Louisville DMA uh, DMA as much because so much of the metropolitan area is in Kentucky and not in Indiana that right. it may not be worth it. It's like, Oh yeah. Like 80% of the people watching this right now can't even like they'll watch the commercial and not be able to si even sign up on their phone because of location blocking that it's yep. like, like, what are we supposed to tell them? It's like, okay, take, go over the bridge after watching this commercial, go take a drive 10 minutes over the bridge Stop at exit zero at that Waffle House. That's right. That's right in the McDonald's little rest area or something like that, and then sign up and then drive back. And then, yeah. then anytime you want to bet three dollars on the on the the University of Kentucky, you're gonna have to do the same thing over and over and over again because you can't bet from where you're sitting. I wonder if they if they're allowed to advertise that way. If you like cross the border, you can bet in Indiana. Why wouldn't? I wonder they? if that's even. I don't know. I can't think Inter interstate commerce. I don't know what the what the laws are. In terms of interstate commerce, there, but it seems for as far as advertising, I most most of the stuff is allowed. Yeah, that's I mean true. we have pharmaceutical ads on television. Yeah, right. Of course, sure. there's law, but also you could tell that the laws for advertising for gambling stuff that uh, just the pharmaceutical ads are ones where here's a sixty second pharmaceutical ad on your TV. The last thirty seconds is me quickly. Uh, speed reading all the common side effects, right? right. Da -da 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 -da. You could get if you're pregnant, don't do this. If you're if you're this, if you're if that, the com most common things are sneezing and, and and wheezing and whatever. For the gambling stuff, it's it's uh, it, it it this is how. Uh, can we just have one eight hundred gambling? 
as the number. <laughs> Can we just have one eight hundred? Because at the end of every ad, they have to for responsible gaming purposes. Obviously, the whatever con, whatever whatever the what the F- FTC mandates for the advertising is that you have to list you know who what to call if for for problematic gambling right for mm-hmm. gambling addiction at the end. And most states have different numbers. And whatever states you're operating in, you got to list all of them. So it's like I, li- I listen to like podcasts uh, that are commonly uh, sponsored by sports books. And you'll see a fan, you know, fan, oh, free bet fan And then it's like the last like 45 seconds is like in West Virginia, call one eight seven seven blah, blah, blah. In Kansas, call blah, 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 blah. In, in, huh. in New Jersey, Pennsylvania and New Hampshire, call blah, blah, blah. In, in this what? state, call blah. Like, and that's like, that's like 30 seconds of the ad. It's just reading off all the numbers instead of yeah, just yeah, being just one, not just one, just one number. Why can't it just be yeah, one so- number? Our advertisers, we just have the one eight hundred gambler on on all the like stochastic stuff, and that's I, I honestly haven't paid attention, paid close attention to the reasoning, but it's like in Ohio, you you can't advertise without having that one eight hundred like some message that includes that that number at the end of it. Uh, but it seems like it's just Ohio is the only place that we're really concerned about for our advertisements. But uh, yeah, again, I, I don't really know who they come after. Do they come after the the content creator? Or do they come after the advertiser? I don't know. I don't think, I think they the these people don't have the time to do any of this shit anyway. I mean, you right. can probably not list anything in my whatever. I mean, it's one of those things. The lawyers will tell you to do X, and like, how often does right. this get regulated? Like, like zero. Right. Like, I think it. Mm-hmm. I think for you guys, for for content creators, it you'd be more concerned about what YouTube wants you to do rather than yeah. what the FTC wants you to do. Right. But we do it right. on all written content as well as YouTube con- content. Well, that's um, at least easy because people don't have to read yeah, that. Oh, yeah. They just you put it in fine print on the bottom, and you say, yeah. "Okay, there you go." Right, yeah, yeah. right. But Keep I mean, reason. when you're just like going through, it's like, "Okay, here's here's a read for for whatever you know, sports book," and then like half the read is like all the all the responsible gaming stuff, and and of course they list all the responsible gaming. And then you see some of the ads that these sports books put out, and it's like the antithesis of responsible gaming. Right. Oh, you lost that bet. Why not come back for the second half? Like, yeah. like that, that's not responsible. Here's, here's a, here's an eight link SGP of the day for you to, that has a 27% hold. Right. And look, look, 1700 of your friends also bet it. Like this is irresponsible. That's the antithesis right. of, yeah. of, of what you should be doing. Blender, I feel like we're burying the lead here a little bit. Do you what? see that those assholes at DraftKings got rid of late swap for MMA? Could not oh, believe that. Oh, I mean, you, and, then been, the, and then we had the main the main card get canceled the last slate. So oh yeah, the last. Oh right, right. I lost all my money. I lost all my money. Did you really? Yeah, minus up. Well, I mean, I only played what like seven lineups or something, uh, and six of them had the main event, and all of them didn't have Brendan Allen, who was the cheapest underdog that won. So like, I'm, yeah. I'm dead. Like okay, minus minus a hundred percent on the slate, and you don't see me complaining, right? <laughs> yeah, that's uh. No, I was I was very happy. I, I I had stopped playing MMA completely when they had late swap. I was just like, I don't have the time on Saturdays. Like in particular on Saturdays, I'm not going to have the time. To so did did you play this computer. past Saturday? Yeah, I played this past Saturday. Okay, and, and you probably lost all your money also. I didn't lose all my money. I lost maybe like half of my entry fees. Okay. I was actually underweight to the field on the main contest, so that was like I think like 87 percent of people had somebody from uh, the main fight on it, and I had like 68 percent or something. So you know, I guess it wasn't. Uh, didn't really hurt me that much, as far as I know. I didn't actually go back and look at if I had any live lineups that had fighters from that in it, but uh, yeah, it was not the end of the world for me. If if randomly, I mean, getting to arguments online is fucking stupid. If I knew every, if you we knew every slate that one fight would be canceled post lock, and you get a zero four, like what would be the difference between that and anything else? It's like it's just as likely as. You have a lineup with a zero that I have a lineup with a zero. Of course, it sucks for that specific slate. But yeah. in general, like, it all evens out after whatever. But people people can't think in terms of... People always think in terms of whatever slate is going on right now is the last DFS slate that ever exists, right? right? So that means the importance of this slate matters over all else, right? So, like, yeah. to having any conversation about, about it. And then having to say... I'm against late swap, even though it does provide me an edge. Right. Right. It's like, I, I, I come across and I go, I, I would love late. I, from an edge perspective, 
I the small field GPPs, tons of edge with late swap. And I don't mind yeah. doing that's why I'm not gonna do a hundred lineups in the large field and have to manage that. But I'll yeah. play I'll play six to ten lineups, small field, five lineups, something like that. And I think it's exploitable. But it's For still sure. more work. The two yeah. the pa- the past two slates that I played, uh since since coming back from vacation, so much more enjoyable. Like it's less edge. Like, I still have an edge, done. dude. I made most of my money with no late swap. So it's like yeah. I'm fine with the edge the way mm-hmm. it is. And it's like, oh, the site's lock, right? I I, I I see all the ownership for everything and go, yep. okay, are my did I make good I'm lineups or bad lineups? Right? Exactly. You know immediately, like that's like half the fun is just learning. Did I make lineups that are not duped? Right. And then once that's over, then you just turn on the event and you can go out and do whatever you want if you want to do that. But if you just yeah. want to watch, it's just like, okay, time to watch. I don't have to, what, 9.20, got to swap this guy out. When is when did they schedule this next fight for? You know, 30 right. minutes in advance, like you constantly have to think of that. It's like, no, I got everything. We're just seeing how it plays out. And and they, they go. So there's still an edge in that. There's more of an Beautiful edge. Beautiful game. Right. Yeah. Just like sure. if NBA, if NBA didn't have late swap. There'd still be an edge in NBA. There'd be less of an edge. Do you think that there's more of an edge in MMA with no late swap? I don't know if I'd go that far. That there's more edge with no late swap, just because. No, I didn't say that there was more edge. Oh, okay. I I just said that there. That I've already. I already have enough edge with no late swap. Yeah. That right. You don't need that additional edge. Right. I don't need. Do I want to do the additional work and the additional time for that additional edge? The answer could. I maybe it's not worth it to me. Great. Yeah, no, me neither. Yeah, and you—that was your whole episode with Eric last week. The, uh, the lifestyle EV. Going back to that conversation, like, yeah, it's a, it's a huge lifestyle EV bump to not have to deal with late swap on Saturday, like all day in MMA, and have to having to think about what am I going to do if this fighter loses? And I don't, yeah, I, I'm glad to not have to deal with that mess anymore. Right. Well, that's the same reason why I don't play an NBA DFS. Yeah, for NBA DFS, I I guess it's uh I get enjoyment out of it. Like I, I love making like going into, of course. I guess I wouldn't be upset if they got rid of late swap. Either. I actually, I used to love it when it was, we had late swap on DraftKings. We didn't have late swap on FanDuel and I would make lineups. And, you know, I, I think I heard, I want to say there was uh, one of the shows that uh, chess is okay. Did um, he was saying that you're wrong to hedge. Like it, when there was no late swap, I think, and I, I don't want to misquote him. I don't know if it's necessarily even him, but somebody who I, whose re- opinion I respect uh, said that they thought it was uh, you would be wrong to hedge, like if there was a questionable player and that we didn't have late swap to hedge and say in some lineups, I think I'm going to make it as though this player's in. In some lineups, I'm going to make it as though this player's out. And I disagree with that. Like, I, I think that that was, uh, you know, and I, I often would just go one way or the other. I'm going to assume that. Yeah, but it doesn't you know, matter. But ne- neither neither matters. Now you're just talking about risk, a risk management decision. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's just you can build a lineup decision. with them. You could build a lineup without them. It's just obviously the right. lineups will look different with yeah. different players and different projections and different ownerships. But like anytime yeah. anyone talks about like, like, oh, you're over the field, under the all that type of garbage. It's just like, now you're just describing portfolios. There's no right. strategy to that. It's like, is the lineup plus EV? Didn't play it. You're choosing yeah. to play one that has this player and using one that doesn't have. Is that hedging? It's like, no, the, it, it's just that the outcomes for each lineup are different. You you yeah. you realize your expected yeah, yeah. value differently in both lineups versus two lineups that are two that are correlated to each other. Where when you realize the EV of the lineup, it's both in both they go right. together. That's the only difference between those two things. So like, yeah. I don't buy the thing of like, well, I'm gonna uh, the questionable player. I'm gonna take a shot. I'm gonna play eighty percent of that guy when he's five percent on. It's like play him in whatever lineups that seem. To, if you're playing 100 lineups and you're like, yeah, I want to have some with them, some without them, and just d- build those lineups accordingly. If you're going to project right. the questionable player to have a, a big projection if they play, but they're going to be 5% owned, then now you don't. Now you can play the chalk with the, that player, right? Because right. way under-owned and you don't, you're getting most of your leverage there. If you think yeah. the opposite, where the questionable guy is actually going to be over-owned, everyone's taking a shot on this guy because it's too much value, right? It's like, this guy projects for 9x if he plays, and then it turns out that he doesn't play. It's like, well, in the lineups that you don't have that guy, now you're you're playing, right. you're playing, you're playing. You already have the leverage there, and the ones that you have him in, you have to find leverage elsewhere. I mean, it's, it's, right, right. it's the same DFS puzzle, no matter what. I it think pe- people get too consumed over 
I have twenty like I have twenty lineups. What do I do? And it's like, right. well, just build build one lineup that that's plus EV to build a second lineup, and then you you have twenty lineups. And it's like, do I really want eighteen out of twenty to have this guy in it? Like, there's nothing wrong with that if all the individual right. lineups are plus EV. But you're like, you from a risk management, you're like, nah, I'd rather not. I'd rather be a little bit more diversified. Okay, then yeah. then do it. And I guess so. So uh, what I was going to say is, back in the day, Fanduel, you could count on if a guy was questionable, nobody would play him, and also nobody would play the player who would benefit if he were out. Like people were just like, I'm not going to play that. Uh, I, my guess is that that would change actually if we had no late swap now for NBA DFS on Fanduel. But like that was back in the day. It was like. I loved those scenarios where it was like, okay, we've got a questionable player in the late game. And I would make some lineups that had the questionable player in it. And I'd make some lineups that had his backup in it. And either way, one of those group sets of lineups is going to get a massive bump because somebody's going to, I mean, not, not as massive if the questionable player does play, because they're probably, you know, priced appropriately, whatever, but yeah, but you're getting them at lower ownership than discount. you should. Yeah, yeah. Right. So you're, so you're getting a bump either way, both of those, you know, they're, they're, plus EV decisions, I think, on either side of it. My guess is, though, that that would be, people would be a little bit less risk-averse now than they were back then, just because we do have enough good content out there, like kind of giving you these different scenarios. Um, but I used to love, uh, when there was no late slot for an NBA DFS, kind of making some of those riskier decisions. Right, I remember doing it with the Sacramento Kings and Zach Randolph, right? Because yeah, sometimes was, he would play idea. and sometimes he wouldn't, but when he plays, he has a high usage. Yeah. And the Kings would always play at 10 o'clock at night and you'd never know. So like sometimes you sometimes you get a DMP and you get a zero and sometimes you don't. But I'm saying there's still an ad. Like if NBA had no late swap, I'd, I would play. I would yeah. I would build For my sure. line at 7 o'clock and be done. Okay. Yeah. If that's how much time it takes. And I'll roll with if LeBron is playing or Gobert is in or out. or You have to make that assessment beforehand. And everyone yeah. is at the, at the same playing field. And if What's you get funny, a zero, so, so, so we talked about. NBA, like uh, late swap is, I would say, the biggest edge in NBA DFS for most of us, at right. least. I think there are some people like Travis Petty. He was on, I think, Lowell's recently, and he said that it's not as big of an edge for him. And I, I agree with that. Like, I think that, uh, you know, Petty is just like so much of his game is figuring out the rotations and being different than other people's rotations. But for most of us, late swap is the biggest edge in NBA DFS. But also, if there were no late swap, it would just be a different type of edge. Just knowing that people are so risk averse, mm. you can take advantage of that too. So I actually, I think I'd probably be okay with late swap going away too. I think I actually would maybe prefer that just and take advantage of some of those situations. But, but it's also weighing the, how much is the edge worth versus the time? Right. Right. If I told you that, oh, they, if I told you, Neil, there's this big, there's this 2% edge that I know of, right? Two Which isn't that big of an edge, right? Two yeah. Nice little 2% edge. Takes you eight hours a day to do. Right. Like, is it worth Back it for you to do it? conversation. Yeah. Right. Is it worth yeah. Now, to some people, that may be worth it to them. Maybe because they can't find 5% edges that we, we're, we're better players, right? We're, we're, we're on all these platforms and going, okay, I could do this here. I could do that there. Found an edge there. And we're, we're, we're experienced with this. And some people may be like, no, I'm just going to grind out this 2% edge that other people aren't exploiting enough. And I'll take my 50 bucks a day or something like that. Like, Right. If that's worth it for you for that amount of time, then go. Then feel free to go do it. But it yeah. doesn't. It doesn't mean that it's worth it for my time, right? You, you have uh, uh, to put it. Put it into to like picture. You're you're a lawyer, right? You were a lawyer, to some degree, right? To some degree, yeah. To some degree. But let's say let's say you're, you're, uh, from from what I from what I gather, the the biggest hourly fee is litigation, right? As far as like to actually go in court and say, yeah. Your Honor, I'm the, you know, like that litigation is the most. Yeah, so I was never involved in that type of law, but that is my impression also. I can't speak from experience on this, but I think that sounds right. Okay. But let's just say that yeah. that when when you, you could be a litigator and litigate eight hours a day, five days a week, 40 hours a week in litigation and charge $800 an hour or whatever the hell for litigation. Uh, but... You could also do, you know, just, you know, research or something like that. Whatever they would do in the, uh, and that's $150 an hour. Like, if, if, if you could get 40 hours of litigation work, like, why, why would you be doing the research? Like, why, why would you be doing the research work, right? Right. Now, if you, if you only could get 10 hours of litigation time charged, you're not going to say, you may say that, I'm, it's worth it to me, even though the other 30 hours in my week, I could do research for $150 an hour. It's just like, I make enough money. 
the other 10 hours right. in litigation that I'm just going to spend time with my family the other 30. Or yeah. you could choose the other 30, 10 out of the 30 to say, okay, I'll do research the 10 and only work 20 hours a week. Or you could be the type that's like, I'm going to work 90 hours a week. Right. And get, Whenever I'm I can like, get work, I'm going to do it. I'm going to write. If I get work and I'm going to make the most amount of money, of course, I'm just waking up doing work and going to sleep again. But there's no like, well, the same reason with that 2% edge. It's like, what is my time? What is my time? My time, my time, not time, but just my time worth. Right. And, and that it changes with age. And, right. and this is a whole conversation you had with Eric last week. Like right. my time now is more valuable to me than it was when I was 25. And I would have worked much longer hours than now. I'm like, I'm going to do, you know, what I need to do. And, you know, I, I think I'm a fairly hard worker, so I'm going to work a good amount, but like, you got to find that balance for yourself. And for me, it's not going to be worth it to grind. I mean, I'm not grinding an NBA for 10, 12 hours a day. I'm grinding. I'm starting my NBA process. Now it's a little different because I started doing content on it, but I used to be like, I'll start listening to shows hour and 15 minutes before lock and I'll be listening to them on two X. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's all a matter of perspective, I guess. Right, and it doesn't mean that like an MLB, doesn't mean that in MLB I will never late swap. Of course, no, I'll be late swapping at MLB. Right, right. right. I'll, I'll, dude, I'll be, I'll be at the poker room going, what's what pitcher just got blown up or something like that, and maybe switch some of my lineups around. How much time does that take? And also, I mean, like even MLB, like you and I will both late swap some. We'll late swap if, for example, a lineup comes out that's different than it should be. Right. But I'm not going in and grinding every single lineup and saying, oh, this lineup is behind. You know, these guys aren't performing, so I'm going to put in riskier players elsewhere, you know, to try to get to that min cash. Like, there are some... I do I do some of that. I do do, do some, some of that. I, yeah. I don't do any of that. I, I only make swaps for, like, lineup comes out differently than expected. Or if I have, maybe if I have a very competitive lineup uh, towards the top, then maybe I'll consider doing it. But I'm not going through lineup by lineup and making individual decisions on lineups where every batter is active personally. Right. But I mean, it's, 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 it's less worthwhile to do so, but that's the time it takes me to do that in MLB is minimal. The time it would take me in NBA with every 15 minutes, having to rerun projections and everything. I can't just do that on my phone in between poker hands, I mean, like you. I do it on my phone. Right, but. I I can't <laughs> accurately or anything like. And if you're playing one lineup, sure, but like I don't want. I mean, I, I, I'm that not four hours. I don't want. I don't want to work for four hours for yeah. that edge. Even though yeah. it's a good edge, I just I just don't want to do it. I don't mind working for ten minutes on an M. Once MLB locks at seven oh five Eastern or something, the most amount of work I'll be doing for the rest of the rest of the night is like five minutes. Right. Oh, Austin yeah. Barnes is in for Will Smith. Okay, I got to change out this Dodger stack. And then I'll be yeah. like, oh, okay, my pitcher just got blown up. Uh, and I have the chalkiest stack in this lineup. So I'm going to just switch to the, the pirate stack and hope they go off and whatever, or, you know, or whatever it could be. Or, oh, I got the 2% on pitcher that just put up 30 points. Now I'm going to switch on to the Dodgers chalk stack in the late game because... Because I can, because because uh, of the pitch, like that's easy to. I mean, to me, that those are the easy things to do. You don't have to monitor pro the projections aren't going to change. You're making decisions more based on game theory than yeah. on well, this guy, two guys are out, and now if you don't play this guy, you're not going to get a billion points. Like that's a different right. thing. You constantly totally have to monitor that. Baseball, yeah. you're not gonna, you're not going to get into a situation, right where. Let's say worst case the the worst the best case scenario is the guy that that is batting ninth for the home team. Oh, they switched up the lineup now. He's batting first. Yeah, and he's twenty seven hundred. It's like oh, now he projects for like one and a half points more median. Yeah. Okay, there's but there's it there's an edge, but it's not like that. that. It's, it's much different than oh, the, you know the thirty six hundred dollar player that you have projected for eighteen minutes. He's now going to play thirty eight minutes. Right. And, and, and have twice the usage. It's like, he's every gonna, pro is going to have 90%. Right. Right. Play. And like, right. And you need to monitor those situations. Like you don't get yeah. that in MLB. Yeah. Even in MLB, sometimes let's say, Oh, it's Jacob deGrom versus whoever. So now that the other opponent's batters are all priced down and then Jacob deGrom gets scratched. And now it's going to yeah. be a gas can there. It's like, Oh, now all these players are like a thousand too cheap, but it's still baseball. Right. right. I yeah, think it's still it's just, just put up four runs and it doesn't matter. Right. But yeah. it's not like NBA where the, 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 the outcomes are so much normally distributed, right? Baseball is so high variance as it is that 
I'm not going to be sitting there running. Uh, I need to reload the bat projections and rerun yeah. all my lineups. It's like, no, I'm just going to... Are there any outliers? At, if there's an 18% on one-off that just hit three home runs in a game, it's like, well, do I have that guy in this lineup? No. Okay, yeah. let me try to min-cash. Do I have this guy in this lineup? Okay, let me try to win first. Like, that's that's really what it comes down to, what I'd be doing late swap-wise. Right. And the amount of time that takes on given scenarios is a grand total of five to 10 minutes in a night yeah. versus NBA where seven. Okay. I got to run projections at right before the seven thirty lock, right before the eight o'clock lock, right before the eight thirty lock, right before the ten thirty, the nine thirty lock. And you're, you're, even if you're only doing that each for five minutes, each, you need to be around. You need to be at a computer. You need to be, you know, in a constant state of mind of like who's starting, who's in, what the lineups change and everything. If that edge is worth it to you, then yeah. do it. That's all right. Let me ask you this, Blender. Uh, this sort of this might be an awkward question. Are you still doing NBA DFS content? No. Okay. So then, it's, so it's not an awkward question. That's good because because uh, I was gonna have to. We're gonna have to have that conversation of like, do you need to be have money in the game? Because I I believe you are a proponent of have money in the game on the things you're doing content. Is yes. that right? Yes. Okay. I mean. On the pregame show, I'm just doing general DFS strategy. I can put it in the context of an NBA slate, but sure, sure. we're not going over like, oh, tonight tonight's NBA slate. What's going on? Like, yeah. I don't do any of that. I mean, I don't. I do barely do that even when I am playing. I mean, but even right, for right. like MMA slates, like I did like like the slate before the uh, the, the Volkanovski pay per view slate. I wasn't playing any lineups because I was going to Nashville. I know Scarlet Patrol did anyway. Uh, I didn't do a show on that Friday because. I wasn't playing, playing the slate. I wasn't playing yeah. the slate. I mean, like, like the, the reason why I do the content is because I've already put in the work. Right, of, right. I'm thinking through everything because I'm putting money on it. So, like, yeah. like, and, mean, and maybe I'm going in certain directions that maybe you're not going. Right? I'm just saying, here's here's the outline. Here, here, who's under-owned, who's over-owned, what constructions, how to get different, how to get less duplicated. You go through all of that, right, what right. the common constructions are. And then from there, feel free, there's... Thousands of lineups you could build. I'm going to build some of those lineups and maybe you'll build other lines. I mean, and that yeah, is what yeah. it is, but how the hell would I really be compelled to know and studied about all that? If I'm like, okay, let me just pull up this slate that I didn't have no idea what's going on. I don't know who the favorites are. I don't know right, what right. the, and like what, 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 what type of, what type of show am I doing? Exactly. No, I, I agree with you. It'd be a lot harder to do content if you're not doing uh, but actually, so part of the reason and what led me to asking that question was I was going to ask you, what is your favorite sport to do content about? Because now that I've started doing NBA content, as we're talking about, like the differences between MLB and NBA, I can say pretty clearly for me, my least favorite type of content to do is MLB content, just because there's so little to talk about in my like, it's just like, I'm stacking teams. I'm not I, I don't know, to me, it's not there's so little, to talk, there's so little to talk about for any of the sports. I mean, that is that is somewhat true. But like you can talk about like in NBA, you can talk about like the range of minutes that a player could play. That kind of thing is sort of interesting. Or like, well, there's still a lot more things in flux in NBA. So there's a a lot more. Here's the injury report. What do we know and what don't we know? If this happens, maybe maybe we leave a a guard spot open past eight o'clock just in like there's stuff like that. There's so many moving parts that it is more interesting to me and it's more helpful to people. Whereas MLB, it's like, you know, I, I was accused last year a few times and, and it was totally true that like you're just reading the top stacks tool. <laughs> it's like what you're doing for or whatever the, the tool is for MLB. And I'm like, yeah, because that's how I play MLB DFS. Right, I'm that's... not looking at individual batters. We have projections to tell me which batters are the best batters on this team. And then I use the top stacks tool to kind of tell me like which teams are going under owned or over owned. And like, that's exactly how I play MLB DFS. So like people are like, you don't even talk about the batters and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, because I. Because it doesn't matter. Because it doesn't matter. Because it doesn't matter. But it's boring content because it doesn't matter. Because it's like, what am I going to tell you here? Like, it's just these are the stacks I like. You look at the projections; they'll tell you which batters are best from that stack. It's uh. It's, well, it's that's what. Fun. What do you think I said? That I tell people that I said, "What do you want? I'm I'm just going to read the projections to you. Like, yeah. What? What? Just look at the projections. Build plus EV lineup. The, to me, the most interesting is the is the is the small option type stuff. So like would be like MMA showdown. Yep. Where it's a matter exactly. of, Oh, we know, we know what most people are going to do. How do we get different, especially in, in an aspect where there aren't many ways to get different. So you have to think like almost outside of the box yeah. versus like was, 
a 13-game MLB slate. How are we going to get di- cores is on the slate and it's going to be high? How are you going to get different? Well, you got 25 other teams to choose from. Right, just don't like play the, teams from cores. Right, did, yeah, right. Did, 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 how much? And I, 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 I was I, asked about doing MMA content. Like, do you want to do our MMA live before lock? I know you play and stuff, and I was like. I do play. I guess it is similar in some ways to Showdown. I don't know anything about these fighters. Like I just, I, I watched some of these fights at this point, but like most of these fighters, I have no idea who they are. I don't know who the grapplers are, who are the the wrestlers, who's going to knock somebody out. And so I was like, I I couldn't do MMA content. Uh, otherwise, I do think it would be interesting. But the thing about MMA is that I I, I follow MMA enough now that I kind of do yeah. know some of some. And maybe of the I will get there someday, but I'm not there yet. I'm just like I know who some of the fighters are, but even like the ones I know, there are very few who I could tell you. You know, he's a uh, He's a guy who could knock somebody out in the first round, and if he doesn't do it in the first round, he's going to lose his gas, and you know, then he'll be. Yeah, but a lot of times you can tell that on. from the bet from the betting lines anyway. Yeah, I suppose, but I right. yeah, I don't have experience with that kind of stuff, so I yeah I, I declined just because I'm like I don't think that I'm I'd be a good uh, analyst about MMA currently because I don't have enough experience. But the same but the same could be said about like Showdown, like NFL Showdown. Yeah. It's like okay, uh, this is what the game most likely is going to look like. Uh, how do we build a lineup for a 10-3 Snorefest, right? Or, right? or vice versa. Like, you're thinking of, like, those types of things. And to me, that's more interesting than, than uh, here's a 12-game MLB slate or NBA slate or even a 12-game regular NFL slate. And it's like, right? Like okay, play, just build plus EV lineups. Yeah. <laughs> what contest are you in? Here's the ownership number. Here's the projection number. Go and have fun. Yep, go make a good lineup. Congrats. But that's really what it should be. Yeah. That's technically what the content should be. It should be three minutes long, right? And uh, play whoever you want at the right ownership and projection number. Uh, it should be sponsored by FanDuel. And then the other, the last two minutes are just reading off all the phone numbers for the or <laughs> yeah, for the, that's the, the perfect That's the perfect hour or perfect, what, five minutes? Is that what right. we're looking for? That's it. Yeah. That's it. Right, same thing for sports betting. Like when people ask me, it's like, it's like, do you sports bet? I go, like, I mean, I I do prize picks, I do underdog, and I would I, I would do sport prop betting if it was if I didn't have to drive across the river to do it. Yeah. And is is there a point of me doing that? Because I'd I'd get limited. Like I, I'm expecting once right. it's legal in Kentucky, then my accounts will be limited within two weeks. Right. That yeah. type of shit. Uh so it may not even be worth it at that point. But it's like, okay, what 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 what. What what props are you betting on? I'm like anything where the projection is off from the number, right? You go well. What uh, do you think so and so is going to do well? It's like, dude, like, what Use sports betting content could I do? There's right. no sport. What what could I? Do? When people when baseball comes around and I do the underdog and prize picks like pitcher props, like, dude, I'm slamming them at one in the morning. I'm slamming right. them early in the morning for. I'm waking up, you know, first thing in the morning looking at the underdog ones pre-morning 1 a.m. for the prize pick stuff by the time i'm talking to you now at 11 o'clock in the morning on the pregame show there's nothing for me to tell you all the value is gone bye right so it's like so how so how i would how what prize picks should i put said you should get up at one in the morning and bang right. the ones that are off when the numbers come out then you yeah right and bang the ones that are off well, how do i know they're off it's like well subscribe to rotogrind <laughs> i mean get have a projection model and just look yeah. and you go okay this is off and there you go and they they're, they're welcome welcome to prop betting yep yeah, yeah, you have people that show up at like an hour before you know the game start and go. So what? What? What do you have today? It's like, what does it matter? What nothing I nothing that's available. Nothing. Yeah. Not you can't get them at the numbers. I got them. So, oh, but I want. I want to. I want to tell you anyway because you're you're good. Like you don't even understand the concept of what you're doing here. Right. Like, I don't even want to give it to enough you. Different bet. Yeah. Right. I've Kevin Gausman over five and a half strikeouts, and it's like okay, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put fifty bucks on the over on that. It's like yeah, but the over right. six and a half now. It's like, yeah, but do you, you think he's going to throw a bunch of strikeouts? I, I don't think anything. All I know is that the projection <laughs> says seven, and the, and the and the total was five and a half when I banged it. Now it's six yeah. and a half, so now you're not getting enough value at minus one twenty eight or some whatever the fuck it happens to be. It's like, yeah, yeah, I'm getting a full strikeout over you, and of course these are the people that are like, like, but I, yeah, so so I lose. You win on six strikeouts, and I lose on six strikeouts. I still think Kevin Gausman's going to throw seven or eight strike. Yeah, yeah, the difference between the times where he only throws six and I win and you lose, that's all the profit in sports. That is right. where all the profit in sports right betting there. is. Yep. Right. Thin lines. And then I have to give him the numbers, right? 1-800-GAMBLING, 1-887 in <laughs> Ohio and whatever yeah. the fuck it is and all these other things. 
Should I be so as somebody who doesn't? I mean, I guess you're we're in the same boat here where we don't have sports betting legal in our states. Should we be preparing ahead of time to like know how to not get limited in that kind of stuff? Like, I don't pay. I've never. I haven't done any kind of research. I know that that's part of it's like. Don't get limited. Like you have no, to you just have to build it. If, if you want it, it depends on how much money you want to make in sports betting. You're I not going to make, make you're not going to make real money in prop betting. Okay. You're going to have to beat real. You're going to have to beat sides and totals. And even then you're going to have to find accounts. Like 95% of the work in sports betting is fucking is getting fucking accounts. It's, it's, it's all. Right. But do I need to figure out how to do that ahead of time? Like, is that something? No, that's you're not. Are you really going to be running? You're gonna be running accounts and, and it's accounting work. It's okay. you need to get a oh, you, your, your brother in law needs to sign up an account and then give you the password and then you control his account okay, and then I you're see. gonna give him ten percent of your winnings type of thing and then you have to do that over and 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 then you have you're gonna have to buy more phones so you have more it's it's it. it's I'm not doing it. right that's what I, I said I'm out <laughs> right prop betting. If you want to make some beer money, it's doable, right? All right. If you, if you, if you, there's enough books and enough promos, especially in the beginning. Yeah, you take yeah. advantage of all the promos. Right, and then that. you got then you got sites like Underdog and Prize Picks and wherever that, to take advantage. If you find something there, I already, I already, I already have Prize Picks uh, in for for MMA this week. Right, it's. I mean, I just most of the time they're fight time props. Right when that when the they put out fight prize picks put out put puts out fight time props before the fight time before the the fight times go up mm-hmm. on sports books like the under one and one and a half under uh, the one and a halfs the two and a halfs yeah. so like a lot of times you could catch them where you're like oh they put up the fight time you know fourteen point seven five minutes and it's like the fight to go to decision is currently like minus one eighty five so it's like okay over there yeah. Now maybe maybe that line moves by the time you know fight time comes around. Now it's minus one fifty five to go to decision. That's still a value there, and it's quite possible that price mix just takes it off the board, right? I've gotten ones where you know I've I've done under twelve and a half minutes, and the next day it's down to under ten minutes. Then by the end of the week wow. it's under it's under eight and a half minutes, and I have the under twelve and a half. So it's like yeah. okay, I got four minutes on on the field and give it to me. But that's why you got to get in early, right? I mean, that, but yeah. what content can you do right. for this? Get Other than uh, I could do content. Yes, if it's one in the morning, I could do a 1 a.m. live 15-minute show of let's go on prize picks and let's compare them to the, the strikeout numbers to the projections. Yeah, that's a, it's always, it's a struggle with any like uh, type of betting related content that I found. Like I've, I've done some Noah's advantage shows on the versus the house, but like sometimes oftentimes, like I'm, I'm reading the best props and I'm pre-recording. So I'm, you know, uh, telling people like what our tools are saying, these are the best props you can bet on. And then of course, by the time it comes out, some of them are going to be removed. So it's, I almost feel like it has to be a live show for these, for the versus the house types of like uh, prop betting type stuff. You need to do almost live shows because that's the only time people can bet the exact line that you're talking about. Right. But you also have to realize that 95% of people watching don't understand any of this. Sure. Don't give a fuck. They're just like, what are your bets? Okay. That's it. Yeah. Unless the bet's being removed and then they're like, what the hell you told me to do this bet and it's not there. Well then it's, they understand that it's not there and they don't like that. Well, because the line doesn't, because the line doesn't exist. The bet's still there, but you have to bet it at a different number. Probably in traditional sports betting. Yeah. Yes. Uh, anything else? Anything else new? Anything? Nothing? Uh, it's been a little while. I think our last show might have been like before the Super Bowl. Um, yeah, nothing. nothing's all that new, though, to be honest. In the, in the past month or so, I've, as we said, I've started doing NBA content. You know, I had had some trepidation about that, doing lineups while doing content. And also, like I've said before, uh, NBA is the one sport where I feel like I feel more reliant on other people's content because, like, that's where I kind of learn about the minutes ranges. Like, because I don't you know, pay attention day to day to like rotations and stuff. So I learn about that stuff from uh, content people, but it's got, it's actually been an easier transition than I thought it would be to kind of be able to do that kind of stuff myself. So um been enjoying it actually doing some NBA content. Um, yeah. Nothing else is new. Anything else new on your end? No, no, 
I mean, just my my black eyes, my my head is healed, and everything. You wear makeup right now? No, I'm not wearing any. Makeup. Just all all healed up. Okay. All well. I mean, it's not all healed up. I mean, you can still see a little. There's a little. Okay. There's a little blackness. There's a little. But that's yeah. what that's what the doctor said. The doctor said it would t- take around you know two weeks or so to clear up, and it's been about two weeks or so, right? I mean, two and a half weeks, I guess. Yeah, two and a half weeks. So there. It looked worse yeah. than it was, right? It, it did. It looked pretty bad. You looked right, pretty, it looked pretty no. bad. It didn't hurt or anything. It's like it looks worse. It doesn't. I wouldn't. If I didn't look at myself in the mirror, I wouldn't know that I have, you know, massive black eye or anything, right? Mm-hmm. Other than my thumb hurting a little. But Does I got that hurt? checked out. Good. And that, there's nothing wrong with this. Apparently, there's nothing wrong there. So, so I'm good. I'm back. I'm, I could use my phone again with my thumb. Nice. I'll play poker again. Because even like playing poker, thumb the, the ruffling the chips and everything, that would have hurt a little. Yeah, I suppose. So now I'll I'll, I'll go back to my, back to my poker for and, and then did you get okay la, last thing did you did you get your did you get your Apple stuff yet from the Onyx? No, I they, I got an email saying that they acknowledging that that was my order and I got an email and it said in the email we'll let you know when it ships and it'll be like eight to ten weeks. Yeah, that's like what that. okay, that's the last. Been. I just want to make sure because I saw other people getting their their Onyx. I saw I saw Rick got his uh got his watch. Right, that's the only one that I'm aware of. Yeah, so right, so I'm like, oh, did, did they miss me or something? So. Like I know that you got the the, the deluxe Apple set also, yeah, yeah. so I figured no, I haven't gotten it to ask because I already I already got a case for, a case for the computer because I went on Amazon or whatever because I'm going to be using that as as my lap because my wife already has that exact laptop. Oh, funny! So it's like huh. he does she doesn't need a laptop, and I I don't have my 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 old laptop is like is like a MacBook Air from like two 2012 that I don't want to use or anything like that. It's because I have an iMac. So I have an iMac with multiple screen setups. Because okay. so, I don't leave. If, if I'm leaving my house, I'm not, I can do anything I want on the phone. But if I'm going to be right. like aggregating projections and stuff like that, playing baseball, if I was like at the poker room, like I, I want to have, a, I want to have an actual laptop in order to, and bring that with me to, in order. Yeah, to I mean, it's that. much so, easier. So this yeah. is giving, would I have bought this on my own? Probably not, but no, there's, there's send, they're sending a, my wife's going to get the new phone. The iPad will be around. She'll have the the AirPods and the watch. She'll have a new watch because she already yeah, has one. My watch. wife's taking the uh, the iPods or whatever you call the them. AirPods. Your, your AirPods. Yeah, my wife's taking the AirPods. I'll probably sell most of it. I probably need a new Apple watch, so I'll keep that one. Um, I've been using a PC, so I don't want to get used to having to use, having to use the Mac MacBook again. Uh, yeah, I'll probably sell most of it. Why not? Right. It's just free money. Yeah, exactly right. Just free money. Just free money. Uh, Player Q DFS on Twitter. Uh, who's that? I, I haven't listened to the latest episode of High Stakes. They got any any, any so the latest, people coming up? Yeah, so the latest was um, Zach uh, Graceful DFS on Twitter. He's a guy who took second in the MLB uh, final for DraftKings for $500,000. And he's a, a single-entry high-stakes player who's had a lot of success there. Uh, coming up next is Alex Santi is going to be my next guest. Okay. I know he's been a guest here as well. You know Alex. Yeah, should be fun. Uh, if you had, ask, ask him ask him uh, some some live poker stuff. Oh, is he a live poker player? I didn't no, no, that. he wasn't. But, I mean, I've been... he. After 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 he sees how how my live poker exploits, he plays online, so okay. I know that he that he he's gone to to in Chicago to play live once in a blue moon or like recently, and yeah. I want to see if if he's continuing to do so after seeing like why he's sitting at home and trying to grind out this when you could just go there and easier get right. more money right yeah. Interesting. I'll okay. So you can get that at the high stakes DFS podcast feed on stochastic. And, uh, and as always, you get the theory of daily fantasy sports, 15 hour audio DFS masterclass at theory of DFS.com.